He was like, that song hits kind of close to home. I was like, why? He's like, I paid for a girl to have an abortion. I really regret it. Oh, and shit. Like, oh, oh, He's got a brick. Yeah. Like, every time I hear the story there, it's like, dude, like, you and Ben... Inside, Ben's full, ben yeah, Folds. Like, you know Ben Folds' true pain. I don't know. I've never had to be down that road. Have you ever had to go down that road, DJ? I'm not going to reply to that on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who deserves to be on a topic's Mount Rushmore? Listen as Daniel Wagner, TJ Ripp, Drew Brooks, and Josh Thomas debate. It's Mount Rushmore. That's the most confirming, non-confirming thing that you've totally <laughs> been through that. I thought I was going to have one my freshman year. The first time I ever had sex with a girl, she was late. And uh, I was at a party, and she called me, and, and uh, she said, um, I need to go to Walmart. Do you want to you wanna go with me? And at that point, I thought we were kind of, you know, maybe we would start dating. And, you know, uh, well, anyway, she, we go to Walmart, and she takes, I'm just like, I don't know why. I've been drinking, so I was a little drunk. And so we, I'm like, I don't know why. We go down to the pharmacy aisles, and uh, I slowly dawns on me what aisle we're in and <laughs> what she's looking at. She's looking at fucking pregnancy tests. This is the first girl I ever had sex with. This is who I lost my virginity to. I was like, sure enough, my goddamn luck is the first time I ever have sex. You're a, you're a one-hitter quitter. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, she was just late, and she wasn't pregnant, so I didn't have to. Isn't that one of the greatest... Like the uh, false positive, yeah. <laughs> a false positive. No, that's room for a celebration. Yeah, like yeah. if you get the false positive, it's when you know that like maybe there's a slight chance, and there's like anytime you've been having unprotected sex for a while with someone, and then it um is immediately like, oh, you know, it's it's here, it's period. Well, I don't even get mad. Like, if you get your period, that's fucking awesome. Oh, I'm happy as a pig and shit. <laughs> yeah. girl we dodged period. another <laughs> month of fucking around. It worked. We're in the clear. I've I've had that shit happen three times. And the like the first time was this girl called me. She's like, hey, I think I might be pregnant. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll go buy a pregnancy test. And I was like, looked at, like pulled my wallet out and I was like, oh, fuck. Moth I don't out. know where my, de- where my debit card is. And I like had to borrow money from my mom. <laughs> I didn't tell her what it was for. I was like, I was just in case I go get something to eat tonight. You know, I don't know where my debit card's at. And the second time was uh, this girl. I was like, like four years ago, I decided one summer to like get in shape, start working out. And I was walking to the gym one day, and she's like, "Hey, I'm late. I figure you might get a good job one day, so I'm not worried about it." I'm like, "What? What the fuck up things that to tell somebody?" <laughs> And the last one was like my last girlfriend before the one I have now, who she called me one day. He's like, I think I'm pregnant. I'm going to the doctor. And she sat by herself in the waiting room at the ER for like six hours. And I laid in bed petrified. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately, it was just a UTI. (laughs) Thank God. Hell yes. Dude, all right, so where I work... I don't know if this is breaking confidence. I guess I'm not mentioning anyone in general, so I don't think it's there. Old people get so many UTIs. It's like the bane of getting old. Isn't that a nickel for every time some old lady calls in. It's like, yep, done got the UTI. <laughs> and they get them chronically. Uh, they'll get them on weeks on end every week. Like, I damn, another UTI. Another UTI. 
what the hell goes on down there? I guess at, at like, a certain age, menopause. I guess at a certain age, old women, if like, like they start wiping from back to front. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can get a, is that a factor. Yeah, does that contribute that. to That's UTIs? Why, uh, women have to like. From what I've been told, I'm obviously not a woman, but uh, they have to like wipe from front to back because if they pull under, it like you know gets up. Yeah, mixes up the plumbing. Yeah, there. <laughs> you don't you don't want your chocolate and your peanut butter getting swirled together. Um, but then again, doesn't everyone wipe front to back so you don't have shitty balls? I fucking hope so. I mean, you don't want shitty balls. Like I've I there's a there's a that. technique that you can go back to front. It, you know what that I found? Really it, it was it was like very it down. Uh, yeah. Like, you see, have to use your hand like a uh, like a shovel, <laughs> <laughs> more like a uh, more like a curve. Like uh, you know, so you go down there with like a backhoe, and you just you just throw it down and so you, dig see. The I shit mean, it's, it's the same. You're you're gonna smear shit either up your ass crack or on your ball sack. <laughs> I would either. rather be up my ass crack. That's where shit's supposed to be. I don't know. <laughs> or you cup, I mean, no, or, or, you, cup, legitimately or you cup de- your balls. <laughs> I like that you're legitimately defending shitty balls versus shitty ass crack. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one thing that'll revolutionize your world. So you got it from here. Oh, the God. wet wipes. Fuck it, yeah, baby. Oh watch. God, yes. Baby watch changes everything. You have no idea how dirty it is down there until yeah. you put a wet. Wipe After on the there. tornado um, that we were, uh, I was on a truck that was handing out supplies, and they had a big box of wet wipes, and I was like, I'm taking this back with. Me. <laughs> I so took, for for months I was uh I was using the wet wipes. It was I pretty took, cool. I took my dad to a Barons game for Father's Day a few years ago, and uh, Charmin was out front of the gate after the game giving out the uh like the wet wipes they're selling as toilet paper at the time, and they like approached my dad and they're like, "Sir, you want these? Hell no!" And they looked at me he's like, "Sir, do you want these?" Like, "Fuck yeah, give them here." Come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a plumbers, Hell no, I'm a brawny man. <laughs> <laughs> the plumbers hate those things. They say they're flushable, but um, yeah. they're apparently not. They don't. Yeah. They don't. They fuck up your tank. And stuff. My d- my dad was talking about. It. He's like, why fuck the hell? Them. He's like, <laughs> my dad was asking. He's like, why the hell do you keep those? And he's like, um, so I don't have mud butt. That's why these are amazing. And he looks like you one of them queers that goes from front to back. <laughs> have you seen the like have you seen the things that I eat? I'm like Doc Brown loading up the DeLorean at the end of Back to the Future. Only a so only a damn old queen wipe front to back or back front to back. Don't make no sense. Be like your buddy TJ Rip, work that shit like a backhoe. And I always imagine that Tuck you that hand boy. You, you literally tuck your hand in and just like that you grab the toilet paper like a glove and just <laughs> grab the shit out of your ass, throw it down, grab until you can't grab no more, and then give it one quick swipe to the front. We're good. Oh, have you seen... Uh, I'm done for the day. Might jump in the shower later. <laughs> if I don't think it's completely clean, go in there and bidet yourself. Have you seen out in Sochi, they, they you can't uh, flush the f- toilet paper. You have to wipe and throw it in a, yeah. in a uh, bin next to the toilet. And that's... I mean, there's there's two way on that. One of it is, is that's that, gross. Yeah, it is yeah. gross, but that's other time. Other parts of the world don't shit like we do. You know, like it was a big it was a big deal when they made uh, or built Gitmo. Is they spent a ton of money on like bathroom facilities, and everybody there were shitting in the showers because in um, 
the Middle East. It's a healthier way you, to is shit. That what you, you is shit, that what you do? Yeah, and in <laughs> India and other places, you shit standing up. You That's, squat over a hole and you just drop it down instead of sitting down on a toilet. So they didn't know. It's they basically know like you're squatting, was. like if a urinal fell down, you'd like squat <laughs> over the urinal and it's like a big flat sort of basin. That's also And it's actually supposed to be uh, better for you. Yeah, that's why Americans have so many fucking hemorrhoids and shit cuz we sit there straining our assholes cuz we're trying to crap <laughs> in an unnatural position. Yeah, like when you're if you were out in the wilderness like, you know, as a caveman like we used to shit, you would squat down just like that. It's more I comfortable think, and it goes I'd like easier. To, I'd like to think we probably squat like a fucking dog, like aligned with the magnetic <laughs> more. And then have that terrified there is nothing that looks more terrified than a dog taking a shit. Like they're just they're kind of shaking on it and afraid <laughs> some, a predator is going to attack them. Like looking side to side, they don't enjoy it. No, you do have a dog that's completely secured in a pen. There is nothing to get to them, and they know that, and they still won't. You ever pointed a dog when they're taking a shit? They get so fucking angry. They do. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> they get really self conscious all of a sudden. And yeah, it's pretty funny just to point and laugh, and they they totally know what they're doing. I like it's to awful. I like to stare Buster down as he. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. Man. I know what you're doing. Yesterday, Dirty um, motherfucker. <laughs> I bet you're gonna wipe front to back, back to front. <laughs> I, I was over at Aisha's yesterday, and uh, her cat, like, we were laying in bed, and her cat jumped up on the bed, and she was trying to get me to get up and get ready for work. And her cat, little asshole, hops up, and he sits there and walks around, and he, like, bunches his paws together and squats for a second. I was like, like, reached over and just, like, slapped her cat off the bed. She's like, What are you doing? He's like, He's about to. Shit out of the bed! <laughs> like, no, he's just, he's, he sits down on the bed and, like, look like he's about to drop a hot one to me. Speaking of <laughs> dropping a hot and one. And then wipe front and back to front. <laughs> You'll drag his ass across the carpet. <laughs> I just see that cat, like, shits and then, like, TJ just grabs the shit out of its ass <laughs> like a claw. He works in, like, that machine at, like, fucking CC's. Like, he's trying to grab a teddy bear. He just mm. grabs. Drops, <laughs> grabs, drops. One wipe to the front. We're good for the day. Awful. <laughs> well, all right. So this week we're going to do uh, wrestling heels. What do you Woo! guys feel about that? I I think it'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, explain what a heel is for somebody who doesn't know the terminology. A heel is a bad guy. It's the most basic way you can start there. A face is a good guy. A baby face is an extreme good guy. A heel is your villain. I don't know, Drew, can you elaborate any more on what a heel is other than a villain? That's it. He's the villain. He's the guy who will pull dirty tactics to win. He's the guy that you're supposed to hate. Like when his music hits, you just automatically start to boo him. Mm-hmm. Whatever he does in the ring. And also, there's another one that doesn't come up as much as baby face or heel. Uh, tweener, which is a guy who can't. Who likes like, Jonas Brothers. <laughs> But uh, Tweener's the guy who, uh, I guess we're not. This is really irrelevant. But it's the guy who's like they can't decide if he's either like a baby fa- or a face or a heel, and he's just kind of there. So he's a jobber. No, not no, always. No, 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 no. not but always. A jobber is an unknown man willing to get his ass kicked to get someone over For a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, it's someone who had the dream at one point, and then the dream died, and they don't know how to do anything else. Oh man, the best two jobbers I ever saw. Uh, SmackDown a couple of years ago there in Baton Rouge and the, it was uh, when they were trying to get uh, Ryback over as a face and these two guys come out and they build them from Tuscaloosa and they're like <laughs> they're about Tyler's size <laughs> they, they, ha- they have on like fucking crimson trunks and everything that's and awesome build them from did Tuscaloosa. they have Bama Bangs? I think one of them did <laughs> but they awesome. build them from Tuscaloosa and they get they both get on the mic in the ring and they're like 
you know, nobody else has been able to do this, but I feel like we can because back where we're from in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, it was after we beat LSU in the national championship. Like, where we're champions in football. We got one thing. We got one thing we like to say and get us ready. And that thing is roll tide. Roll tide. Roll. Just over that, again. I'm a Bama fan, and that would just piss me yeah. off. I don't want to. Well, that is the epitome the of another wrestling term. Right yeah. There. It's cheap heat, which is the same thing as if a wrestler or a heel goes out there and says, all you people in this dirty town of Cleveland, Ohio, when yeah. you're in Cleveland, like you bash the city, yeah. everyone will be same as a, a cheap pop is when the face goes out there and said like, all you lovely people of Cleveland, Ohio, know what I'm talking know, about. how about them bros? Yeah, and like everyone's like, yeah, come on, you're we like you because you mentioned our town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you- all it takes. We like him because he is for us. <laughs> you're aware of what city you're in. Yeah, I, I am also from Cleveland, so I feel good about this. For you guys, what what goes into a good making a good heel? I mean, it's it's all about heat. I mean, yeah. a really good heel and. There's a lot of, it was a lot of internal debate. We have a lot of like input that came in from different people on like their top fours. Like, that's why I don't even know if we'll even be able to get to honorable mentions because there are so many people that weighed in on this topic uh, that I want to let. I mean, they, they put their time in and everything up there. So I want to make sure they, <laughs> they get posted there. a comment on a website. I mean, that's not a lot of time. There's, there's 40 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. 40 people weighed in and a lot of them are varying. There's only a couple of lean overs, but the debate came down. One does a manager count as a heel because there's a couple of managers that are the epitome of heel. Yeah. I didn't necessarily agree because I think that is an entire show. Yeah. On yeah that's, that's, that's its own show. Its yeah. I own. think managers are separate. I think, um, t- teams are separate. I mean, yeah. cause you could yeah. say something like the Freebirds, and that's like a group that NWO. just fucking had massive. Yeah. You or know, and uh, yeah, a group, and I think we, sh- that's a, we can table that for another episode on the, the groups, but I think it has to be like a singular person who and they could have been in a group, but it's like, you know, they, they're primarily known as, you know, getting heat on their I own. Already, I already know one of mine's going to, a little controversy right okay. um, from this little discussion right here <laughs> but i think a, a big debate on it became is it someone who their entire career played bad which in, exactly yeah. in modern wrestling is almost impossible if you look at someone like mr perfect mr perfect never changed his character yeah but it came over time people realized how good he was that you'll eventually get cheers the same thing happened with The Rock. The Rock was one of the great heels uh, when they were doing the Austin yeah. Rock, with the corporate oh, champion yeah. run. But he got over because people liked it. Like he they, was the yeah. funniest was, fucking dude on yeah, the mic ever. He was so good at being bad that, especially in the modern era where the average wrestling fan with the internet is, they're too into yeah. it. They're too in tune. It's... <clears throat> It's why I don't even check dirt sheets anymore. And it's a lot of the, well, another reason is I don't follow the product as much as I did a couple years ago. I've got a roommate who will tell me everything that fucking happens at any time. <laughs> but he checks the dirt sheets religiously. And it's almost as I've gotten to a point now where I don't want to know. We're too over, we're too intelligent for it. So my point of that being is that we're too, in, the wrestling fans become too intelligent. So you take someone like Dolph Ziggler, I'll throw one off the top of my head. Who played heel for everything? He was he was like Mr. Perfect. The show off. Yeah, you know everything was real flashy and shit. 
the fans enjoyed him so much they started cheering him coming out and it was impossible uh, to actually make it where he's not a face. Like you will eventually evolve based on the crowd reaction. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't think that should be a factor. I think that you can have runs. If it's a factor, you have to discredit Ric Flair because Ric Flair bounces back and forth, especially in his late career. Oh yeah. When nobody would boo nature boy because nature boy he yeah. was an icon. He'd still come out and eye gouge the fuck out of somebody, but it was yeah. like, yeah. you know, it's Nature Boy. So hey, there could be fly. a wrestling match at Coleman Coliseum, and the Nature Boy walk out and call us all a bunch of mouth-breathing like, cousin fuckers from Tuscaloosa, <laughs> and I'd still mark out for him. I'd like, yeah. fuck yeah, Nature Boy! Yes! <laughs> he is right! He's right! I kissed my cousin! Um, Goodest fucking pussy i ever seen! <laughs> Best one! Oh shit, I'm admitting things! <laughs> what, what cracks me up, um, earlier we were talking about The Rock, um, when he first came out as the uh, Rocky Maivea, the third generation superstar, first time ever, and they pushed him so hard as like the ultimate baby the face. Super, super yeah. baby yeah. face. And motherfuckers just hated, hated him, it. just booed. The, so it took him turning heel, or is it turning? Yeah, the yeah, nation yeah, domination. Turn, yeah, it took him to, to turn heel to become a fucking yeah, superstar. Yeah, become, yeah. to, but to get there, fans behind him. It's the same thing I was saying, is it works? it works two ways. I mean, you can have someone that people will hate. There's a big dilemma. Here's an, another, when you're talking about underhanded tactics, faces, I think, are even more notorious for it. If you look at every time during Hulk, the Hulkamaniacs era that Hulk Hogan won by a cheap shot, okay. like doing something very <laughs> illegal to like get over and finally get him down to drop the leg, it's ridiculous how many dirty ploys he used on heels. Uh but you have someone that becomes like as an ultimate face, like uh, now I guess it would be like a John Cena. People will get tired of them and they'll almost turn them heel by booing them the entire time. Like, yeah, there's it's a like weird... Kurt Angle had the same thing happen to him too. Yeah. Sort of like just... he became a heel because everyone hated him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I think Cena right now, even though they <laughs> push him as a baby face, he's probably the most heel character they have just because he gets booed so much when he comes out. So is Batista healed into? Didn't he get booed at WrestleMania? He, or no, Royal he got Rumble? booed at the Rumble. He got, God damn, that was amazing. <laughs> the the shit after that, too, um, after they went off the air, he's walking back up to the ramp to the locker room, and everybody's pissed off that Daniel Bryan wasn't in the Rumble. And so he starts mocking Daniel Bryan's yes chant. And then, as he, like, before he walks back through the curtain, he just turns around and just gives the whole arena the fucking nice. finger. Um, so in case you haven't noticed, this is going to get real specific. <laughs> and if you don't keep up or don't know what we're talking about, you might just want to download a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> I, f I feel like I'm going to get lost because <laughs> I'm outclassed by all y'all's uh, wrestling knowledge. Well, C completely. it happens on once, you know, yeah. we have episodes like this sometimes. Where, yeah. Um, well, I mean, with that, do you, you guys just want to jump into it? And let's, yeah, let's get let's it started. Get all right, like I said, I'm completely outclassed. <laughs> I'm 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 going to be the outlier. I've got two that are pretty easy to name, and I've got two that are uh, maybe a little out there, uh, maybe a little controversial. I don't know, but anyway, my number four spot is uh, not actually a wrestler. He's a comedian, and that is Andy Kaufman. Ooh, I was just thinking about that yeah. actually about mentioning him as a possible. I mean, he all right. So he began wrestling women women as part of his like uh, uh, comedy act. And he was like, he, he called himself the inter, intergender wrestling champion of the world. <laughs> and, he, and he offered like a, a thousand bucks, a grand to any woman who could pin him. 
Yeah. And he, like, he, so that was part of his comedy act for a long time. He eventually approached uh, Vince McMahon <laughs> Sr. and was turned away. And, uh, uh, oh, God. He so went from to Memphis. Memphis. Memphis, yeah. but it was, it was, CWA. But yeah, it was a, it was a uh, <laughs> magazine photographer, wrestling magazine photographer, was friends with Jerry the King Lawler and, like, put them two together and it was just perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, the Lawler just got what, uh, what he was going for. And they were perfect for each other. Um, when, like, when uh, they first faced, he recorded some of the best wrestling promos, just completely insulting the South. Just yeah. perfect. Oh yeah, his whole bit of like, I'm from Hollywood, yeah. California. <laughs> yeah. Everything the voice that he puts on is like so ridiculous. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it, it's kind of one. I don't want to say it's the first time because I don't really know. I'm not that knowledgeable. But to me, it seems like that's a big moment for wrestling when it really bleeds over in the mainstream with him going on Letterman then both them two going on Letterman oh, having yeah. that feud going on to like yeah. actual mainstream I think that's probably the start of wrestling or not not the start of it but kind of the foreshadowing to wrestling becoming that's what, what it became big rem- superstars yeah I'm trying to remember if that match predates Wrestlemania 1 or not I think it was late 70s early 80s yeah so, so it would have so, yeah, so, at least yeah. two or three years Mania 1 was 84? 85 yeah, I mean it was right around that yeah, time. Yeah, it was close. Yeah, um, the, I mean that's the one where they, I mean they bring out Liberace, yeah, and Cindy Lauper, uh, and Mr. Mr. T, yeah. and yeah. like they had really built it up there. But you're right, like that is a brilliant like ploy. Yeah, I mean that that was smart because I mean one you had um uh, yeah celebrity so you had like a celebrity bringing in non wrestling fans I guess but yeah. you also had an identifiable easy. For the for the audience, I mean, they automatically hate him. All he has to say is from Hollywood, and yeah. he's you know, not from the fucking south, and it's just, and and he also has somebody really good to work with. And he's wrestling women of all, it's like that's everything's flying <laughs> in the face. And then what was funny about it too is that he started going up against Lawler, who I think if Jerry Lawler wanted to pick a different career, he would probably be a comedian. And if, oh, yeah. or no, he would have been an artist. He's yeah. a yeah, fabulous he draw, cartoonist. Yeah, uh, when he was in CWA. He would draw all the flyers and the posters for the matches, yeah. and he would just do these just spot on fucking pencil, like pen and ink drawings yeah. of all the. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess events. by going by his, his personality and stuff, like he's a naturally like sort of charismatic guy who like seems like he would. He's a smart. Com- he's like smart when it comes to comedy, and so like mm-hmm. I think he got the joke and was in on it. Well, the and, thing, and then you have you know Kaufman who wanted to be his comedian, who wanted to be a wrestler, basically. What's so it's kind of impressive to me is like. When it was happening, everyone thought it was real, and it didn't. There weren't come, many smart marks back then. At yeah, all. it didn't come out that it was a hoax until like ten or twelve years after Kaufman dies, and uh, the person who like broke the uh, the story that it was a hoax eventually went on to play him, and that's Jim Carrey. Yeah. Jim Carrey in like a documentary. I was just reading this uh, today. He like there was a, a documentary or a stage show like uh, honoring Kaufman, and Carrey lets it slip that that's just it was all a hoax. And it just, it kind of, no one knew it up to that point. Yeah, I mean, if you watch that Letterman clip, I mean, it's, it looks fucking real. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's that like, was uh, 82. Yeah. Okay. You have, yeah, you have Letterman, like, yeah. completely taken aback by the whole thing. You have, like, Kaufman, who, like, it doesn't, he's, like, takes a shitty cup of water and throws mm-hmm. it at him and misses. And it just looks so natural. And then that slap looks great. It's and like, also, yeah. I mean, oh, and they brought uh, Jimmy Hart in that feud, too. Oh, yeah. Mouth oh, and South. Right. And also, I was going to say, That's he, right. he was his manager. He was also <laughs> he's also kind of a comedy heel with his like stuff, his antics on SNL. Like he eventually got voted off of SNL by a fewer vote. Forever. Yeah, 
Um, so he's kind of he was a wrestling heel, but he was also a comedy heel. He kind of he wanted to fuck with the audience, and to Wasn't me, it I, like Friday night. It was one of the other shows. Of Fridays. Um, Fridays. Yeah. Where he walked off the stage. Like, he said he didn't want to play in the... Uh, they were doing a skit where they pretend to be high, and he was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, and like in the middle of the skit, live, <laughs> just quits the skit and walks off. So yeah. he's not a wrestler, traditionally, but he played in really, like, the first really big heel that yeah. a lot of people knew. Um yeah, I don't know. He was a, he was a big man. It's a legitimate one. That's good. Yeah. All right, uh, Daniel, you got what's your number four? Uh, my number four is actually Ric Flair, and there's a reason why he's number four, and we'll get to that later in my list. Um, he's an icon of the 1980s. The whole persona of being the rich man with all you poor lesser thans. My shoes cost more than your house. Strutting around. Here's a clip of me leaving in my private jet. Yeah. <laughs> Bankrupted. Had a limousine a mile long waiting for me. <laughs> Bankrupted the NWA because he had to live a lifestyle. Suitable. Yeah, yeah. he had to keep up uh, appearances. And I mean, he isn't, he would be higher on my list, but it, there's a legitimate reason that I can't wait to get into because a lot of people don't know the other side of Ric Flair. Um, but he had a couple runs. Again, he became legend where he's untouchable no matter what he does. I mean, he's legend there. That's one of the s sadder stories of wrestling of where he's gotten to with all the alimony and back his, taxes and stuff. Oh, or? back taxes. Um, he welched on a lot of deals. Yeah. Um, you know, bad investments. Like he, there's a reason why he's a broken man that's still trying to do wrestling. Games. And he still won't sell a fucking punch either. Son of a bitch. No, no, <laughs> no. He has legendary matches. Um, people like to see get him get his ass kicked, and they would he would get his comeuppance every once in a while. It didn't actually happen often, but when it would happen, people loved to see him get his ass kicked. Actually, all the four horsemen. Like, yeah. they were such an obnoxious group of guys that everybody wanted to see their ass kick. And no more than Flair. Uh, he just, he has all the qualities of the classic heel. Like, when you get in with that gorgeous George and such, what a classic heel is, it was always the pretty boy, I'm better than you, I'm better looking than you, against the working class Bruno San Martini or San Martino and um, uh, Luthi Luthi's and. They would always fight like, the working class guy against the pretty boy. Yeah. He also continued the tradition where it's kind of lost now because your heels will pose with pitchers and such. He never broke kayfabe, which for people who aren't there is like the art of your characters. I think kayfabe. if they're still listening, they're probably all aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At this right. point, anybody has jumped What's up. Shit. Smart marks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sup marks. Uh, but he, he he wouldn't break it and. He lived that constantly. Then you know the women and everything else. It's um, you know, Flair was in a plane crash in like seventy five. I think seventy somewhere between seventy five and seventy seven. He broke his back, nearly ended his career, and it was when he was still ter like territories in the NWA. And two of the other people on the plane were feuding with each other. Like you're, that's the whole that was their storyline. They were feuding with each other. So when to like maintain kayfabe when uh ambulances showed up one of the other guys in the plane said that he was prom um, a promoter and not a wrestler to maintain the kayfabe wow yeah i mean that's not breaking character bill watts was a old promoter used to find his guys if a face was seen out with a heel 
like at a bar or anywhere yeah. in the hotel, if you were ever seen together, you got fined and possibly fired because there was just there used to be unwritten law. Like in wrestling, there was a law. It's before it became sports entertainment, and you're not allowed to say wrestler anymore. And the the old laws have all been broken. But. That's how the uh, Iron Sheik hacksaw Jim Duggan feud was ended. They're both uh, pulled over in the same car. I think they are. Uh, Either smoking a joint or doing blow. They were doing blow. Yeah, they were doing and they blow. And they had weed and blow on them. Yeah. And Hacksaw's dad is like a county commissioner in Florida or something. Oh, God. And got him out of it. Like, well, the, sheik's, when it, the Sheik's a bad influence on... <laughs> oh, the, the Sheik got pulled over smoking crack and then has a great... The video of it where he's denying he's smoking crack while <laughs> holding a crack pipe. Like... <laughs> <laughs> And they open his trunk, and there's a lot of crack, and they be in the trunk. <laughs> no, this no glass dick. This no glass dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now he's a Twitter millionaire. He's fucking He also now has Twitter. a column in GQ or Esquire, some extra there, where it's like... Is it called Old Country Style or Old Country Way? <laughs> old Country Way. Uh, it's uh, an advice column. People write him questions, and he answers your questions. I don't know, in a magazine or a website or something, but he answers the questions on how to, yeah. how to get by. I, I thought about including the chic... Uh, this maybe something for honorable mentions, but it's just because yeah. of, um, I mean, to be from, uh, the only thing to, worse to be would be like Nikolai Volkov to be a Russian at that part of, you know, at that time. But I mean, if you consider like the balls on him to be like, oh, so yeah, so the Americans like hate the Iranians and the hostage situation. Yeah, I'll say I'm from there. No, <laughs> like, he actually was though. Like yeah, he's, he's, well, he's from truly Tehran. Iranian. No, I thought he was uh, Turkish. No, no. Uh, Shiki baby's from Tehran. Yeah, Are he's, you sure? yeah, he's yeah. legit Iranian. I thought, uh, Nikola- he was tur- I thought he was on like the Turkish no, he's uh, legit Olympic Iranian. team and stuff. Uh, Maybe uh, he trained with them he or coached, something like that. His old thing was that he coached the Turkish Olympic team. Okay, that's Nikolai what it was. Volkov was actually Croatian some, or something like no, that? No, he's or? from the fucking Midwest. Really? Yeah, I think it was one of the Volkovs was like from the Midwest. And for the entirety of his career, once they told him that, you know, it was like, here's your deal. You're going to be this fucking Russian wrestler. He pretended that he didn't know English and act like he knew Russian. So he'd come out in the ring and be like, I'm Nikolai Volkov. Act like he knew Russian, didn't know a fucking word of it. <laughs> and he maintained that until he retired. Jesus. Well, to bring it back to Ric Flair, you're number four. Um, I can't disagree with it. And I'll get into that a little bit later. Spoiler. Right. Yeah, I think I will too. Um, uh, yeah, so TJ, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is... This is a deep cut, and I saw, um, I think I was on the same thread as Daniel here. I saw somebody mention it, and I was like, ah, crap. Um, but uh, it's exotic Adrian Street. Oh, he's so great. <laughs> he's, um, for those who don't know, he was a wrestler from like the 50s on. I mean, or was he born in the, he was born in the 40s. But anyway, he, he wrestled in he, most Well, he wasn't wrestling when he was 10. No, no. Um, <laughs> He, uh, but he came to prominence in the '70s and uh, and '80s, and pretty much he was gold dust before there was gold dust. He was the ultimate like effeminate, is this guy gay wrestler? But he like wore this crazy makeup, wore his hair in pigtails, would would run around the ring like a, and he was like a pretty you know he wasn't the tallest guy or the biggest guy, but he was like a pretty stocky dude who probably well, kick your ass. But he's he was really barrel chest. He's Welsh. Yeah. And he got his start doing like Welsh wrestling 
there would be the um, workers would wrestle after work for their wages. I, that was a way of life. It was shoot fighting. Yeah. It wasn't just like right there. And that's where he started. And it was the whole thing with Adrian. Adrian could whoop your ass. All right, <laughs> don't let the pigtails fool you. Adrian <laughs> could kick your ass so quick. Yeah. But, I mean, he realized early on how much heat he could get just by playing that he was gay. And it's and I guess if you went back and looked at it now, it'd be like horribly, you know, politically incorrect. But at the time, I mean, what better way to rile up fucking rednecks in Birmingham, Alabama, where he made a name in Birmingham, Alabama, <laughs> um, as a, the gay wrestler. And uh, yeah, he would like sing songs and like dress. Oh, he has the greatest wrestling album ever. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even bullshitting it. It is brilliant. That album, the something kind of peculiar about a cowboy where he just goes through how a cowboy is naturally gay. Like everything about him wearing the roses on his shirt. <laughs> There's something peculiar about not a cowboy. Like everything is just so over the top. He had a song called um, "The Pretty Transvestite with a Bloody Nose." <laughs> he was talking about himself, like just the pretty transvestite with a bloody nose, or uh, oh or the ones God. about like uh, I can take on a bear and I can wrestle a horse. Just imagine <laughs> what I can do to you. I have never heard of this guy. Now I'm, I want to download. He this album seriously like wrestled for about five years in Birmingham, Alabama. It was uh, what was the him name and Bullet Bob? Name? Yeah, uh, were a Continental team. Championship wrestling. Yeah, that's uh, Memphis wrestling. Yeah, right. um, and so he he was yeah easily one of the biggest heels there. And it was oh, wow. And it, the the balls on the guy to come out at that time and just be like, he was a straight dude, but he was like, yeah, I can just get instant fucking heat like this. What, what year did you say? Uh, from like seventy six, from in Birmingham, from like eighty four to eighty nine, I think, or was it? I mean, I'm not exactly sure. That's I, a John and Sal question. Um, <laughs> I think he came. In, he came to Birmingham in eighty five and was there for like three or four years. So I think he left in eighty nine. Okay. He, uh, but he's another one that eventually became like sort of a face, or it's John described it the best way possible, which is like. He's a faggot, but he's our faggot kind of thing. <laughs> that's what their mental is like. Oh, he's fucking fag, but uh, that's our fag. Like, we'll defend him. Yeah. It's the same thing they did with the junkyard dog of um, um, that you know was in Texas when he was wrestling. He became like he was this you know big black guy that came out in like a, a damn collar with a chain, which is extremely racist. Where they thought he would be the heel because he's black, and became like, well, he's black, but he's our black. <laughs> like we're we're okay with him. That's our guy. Yeah. Um, also, interesting thing about Adrian Street, uh, just personal note, um, my brother wanted to be a wrestler out of high school, and he trained at the Skull Crusher Academy down in Gulf Breeze, Florida, where Adrian, uh, the, it's the, the wrestling uh, training outfit that Adrian Street started. Dude, uh, I would not want to tote the ass open from Adrian Street. Hell no. <laughs> Dude, that's these old school wrestling schools. People are like, oh, I went to... You know, I trained with, you know, Luthi Ties and went up to his school and stuff there, or the Stu Hart, the dungeon. He, those old men just beat the fuck out of you, like, so bad. Yeah, the stories out of the dungeon are really bad. It's like, and we go down and the old man would stretch us, and it's like, oh, fuck, that sounds horrible. I don't <laughs> no, want, nobody like, even comes the story, right. Or like the stories of, um, who, God damn it, I can't remember his fucking name now, uh, AWA, um, Talking about the... Uh, Vern Gagne. Okay. Yeah. He would just beat the shit out of those guys. Like, I was watching an interview. I think it was with the uh, with the uh, Road Warriors. They're talking about they show up like AWA, 
like to the uh, training camp, and Vern Gagne, the first day, he's like, go fucking run five miles. And you have these like, huge dudes like just throwing up all over the place. And you're like, <laughs> he's like, what's this for? Like, you're going to work a fucking hour-long match before you leave here. <laughs> just, yeah. Okay, Drew, what's your number four? The uh, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. It's a good pick. Good pick. Yeah. I mean, yeah, think about all. it. He's the whole stereotype of the hill. The guy's like, I'm rich. I'm better than you. You know, he'll walk around. After a match, he'll just shove a fucking $100 bill in your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Just offer you money for anything. He bought a fucking championship, or he tried to buy a championship. No, he actually legitimately bought it, and yeah. they had the tournament. Oh, yeah. They said he couldn't buy the championship <laughs> because Andre the Giant was broke. And so Ted DiBiase bought, his own, bought the title from uh, uh, Andre. Then he made the uh, million-dollar championship, yeah. which, which I was think a might actually... Belt. I don't know. I that's on my top five for the ugliest fucking professional wrestling belt I've ever seen. <laughs> that's did, up there with like Hulk Hogan's. Did first the Ringmaster wear that belt too? Yeah. Didn't yeah, the early, Ringmaster wear early the, the million Stone, dollar belt? Yeah, early Stone Cold when he first came in, he was the million dollar champion when they brought him in. That's oh, yeah. what I thought too, yeah. Um Tatanka wore it, a lot of people wore it. That's that was the moment you sold out was you would get the oh, million okay. dollar championship. Did that, they try to get Ted Jr. to wear it when he was with the company at one point. Yeah, I think he did come back out with it at one point. They tried to bring it back. Here's how much of a heel uh, DiBiase was. Uh, in the WWF video game, if you guys remember that, the the arcade game, Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the last bad guys you fought? Was DiBiase and Andre. Yep. Hell yeah. <laughs> DiBiase used to do this awesome thing, too, where um, he would do kind of like a segment on the show if he wasn't wrestling, where he'd pull someone out of the crowd and be like, if you can do this, I'll give you $2,000. So one of them, he brought this little kid out of the crowd. It's like, if oh, you can man. dribble a basketball 10 times, I'll give you $2,000. <laughs> and he's like, one, two, three, four, five. And he gets to like nine. DiBiase just hits the ball out of his hands. He's like, <laughs> sorry, you didn't do it. <laughs> Sit on back down. Sorry, your life will never change. This is the <laughs> highlight of your life. And the mother is behind him completely buying in and like devastated because she really saw the $2,000 coming and he did it so cold with no, you know, no laugh, no voice or anything. He's just like, I'm sorry, that's life. And you'll never have a better moment than this and just move on. He would do that every week. Like his ability to get just cheap fucking heat. They also, I heard an interview with them before WrestleMania 28 in Miami. Uh, the, 790 the ticket which is the show Levitard's on the station right there they had a bunch of the wrestlers coming on like all the shows and for the Levitard show all they had was they got like Dusty Rhodes and Tibiasi like they only got the old guys to yeah. tell stories it was really close there were like two things they were going to get Tibiasi to be it was going to be like this trash man or the million dollar man <laughs> and when they said it was like when you're if we're they decided to go with million dollar man he had a stipend and they told him to keep the kayfabe. We're going to book you in the best hotels. We're going to fly you privately. You'll show up in limousines. You're going to live the life of a millionaire. And that's how we're going to keep it. Like, we can't see you driving up in a little rental car. Someone sees you, they're going to know that you're not a millionaire. And they went that far with it. And it's such a change of what your career could have been with just oh, yeah. one subtle change. If you were the garbage man, they're like, we need you riding on the back of garbage trucks to shit. Or the hobo, as opposed to being the million dollar man. It's the best gimmick and the best time to hit where they're like, we're going to sell this to the next. You know what happened, though? I mean, you know that like fucking Sheik was like, Sheiky, baby, riding with you, DiBiase, tonight I'm staying in your hotel room, man. They wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> 
they, they wouldn't even let it. The only person that he could go with them was Virgil. They would let Virgil ride. It's a pretty sweet ride. Which is also probably the most racist it's thing they ever fuck. did. When he had his little man to like ride around with him and do his dirty work. All right, that was our number four spots. So let's just go ahead and move on. We're getting we're getting a little long. Of course, this is going to be a long episode. A long in the tooth. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather kind of push it on a little bit. Unless you, uh, well, let me go ahead and read these. I had uh, Andy Kaufman as my number four. Daniel had the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. TJ had Exotic, Adrian Street, and Drew, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. All right, I'm going to just do a real quick one of some of the ones we got in the right there. Jason McCall, former guest of the show. Uh, I'm just going to give their entire list. Um, he had Flair, the NWO version of Hulk Hogan, Iron Hollywood, Sheik, Hollywood. yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Iron Sheik, and the Million Dollar Man. And Chip, Chip Valentine from my old podcast had superstar Billy Graham, Bobby Heenan, Eric Bischoff, and Vince McMahon. Ooh. Uh, I like Eric Bischoff in there. And hold on. Let me. There's another one there. I, I got to pull get, up here, too. I need to get uh, uh, David's because David's are all, like he put a lot of shit into this right here. His number four <laughs> is the Sheik. The original Sheik who ran Detroit and the surrounding areas. He never gave a promo and got over as a psycho heel by sheer ring work and brutal spots. He is considered the grandfather of hardcore and very few were as feared and hated as the Sheik. So we can now move to number three. Okay. Uh, my number three, uh, we, he, he was mentioned when we were talking about what makes a good heel. Uh, and that's, and I, like I said, I only watched wrestling for a very limited time. I've, I've kind of kept up a little bit, but not as much as you guys, uh, definitely. Um, he was someone I just fucking hated when I was younger, and then I just grew to love because he was so good at what he did, and that is that is uh, The Rock. He started off, you know, he started off as Rocky Maivia, and, uh, but crowds hated him. Yeah. Hated him. Oh, yeah. Die, Rocky, die. I mean, you already, <laughs> you've already mentioned it, TJ. Yeah. Um, so he changes his name to The Rock. He turns the arrogance and the charm just up to like 11, and the crowds just hate him even more, and he it just feeds off of it. Um, he, he was just one of those... For me, uh, a good heel always has those great promos, those ones you can go back and watch and still like marvel at like what they're doing, their charisma and the, the arrogance. The catchphrase that'll yeah, stick with you. the catchphrases, which he had... The most ridiculous sounding catchphrases, <laughs> but somehow made them work and yeah. made like the people he was calling like a jabroni just they, it would make their you could see like their blood curdling kind of like on stage. Um, you know, he sided with Vince McMahon and to become go from the people's champion to the corporate champion, and you get the corporate elbow. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, I, he was so to me. I'm I'm a I'm a novice wrestling fan, but to me the ultimate uh, uh, well I don't know what I'm trying to say the, the, for me uh, the ultimate face or the ultimate heel will eventually become a face because they're so good at becoming yeah. being oh, yeah. a heel yeah it's it's the whole idea of like a, a villain we've had this, yeah. we've talked about movie villains and comic book villains and stuff yeah. it's the guys who you you know you you. You love them. They have to be the villains. Are, the heroes are only as good as the villains. And like when when the villain becomes like so awesome, then they just they flip yeah. And point. and to me that that that's the the mark of a really <clears throat> fucking good heel. Yeah, is he's so good at p- 
pissing you off that you just have to admire it, and then you start to love him. Yeah. I, I remember loving him almost immediately when he went heel. Like it was, I was about like oh, fourteen yeah. or fifteen, and it was just like he just started doing stuff that you didn't see very often. Yeah, and um, it was inc- it was just like such a change. It was like you could tell this guy really didn't give a fuck anymore about the like he they tried to fit him in this like cookie cutter like all right you're gonna be the good guy and like you know this the third, good, gener- the third generation yeah. yeah and it's the moment he just shook that off. I was like, this. I'm on this guy's side. I was pulling for him. I was like, holy shit, he was he was fucking awesome. And he dropped the whole stupid. Uh, I heard a rumor actually that when he started wrestling, he wore like a weird little vest thing. Yeah, and it yeah. was because he had like weird nipples that made him look like he had he had female, <laughs> like he had female tits. And so like he had surgery to like reduce his nipple size and like make his chest look not so girly. And then, uh, then you he can took his... you can have surgery to reduce your nipple size. I guess so. I, guess I did not know this. Old, yeah, or something like that. Mm. Uh, but any whatever it Science did, it is worked. Crazy now. That's when he started. <laughs> take, that's when he started wrestling without his shirt off, and then, so he looked. Uh, he looked more like a regular wrestler instead of whatever weird world. Like I don't even know what. It also me, he's he's just the one of the best wrestlers of the past. You know. <laughs> 20, 15 years think, or whatever, how long since it's I, been? I've got a lot of issue with it. Okay, and I know you would. <laughs> his part of being a heel is such a small part of his career. It is what got him over, Yeah, but almost always he has been a face. Like His little heel run was, was very finite, and his most memorable... But very important, though. It, I mean, it is. I mean, they finally had a foil for Austin, but... One, he's notorious of like on again, off again. Even when he was still really active in the company, he was on again, off again. Everyone knew when he came back, he's immediately the top face of the group. He won't face anyone that's not a face. And really, when you had, um, you know, really at his height, you had a change where DX was your like heel faction because they went with the corporation. And he broke from him and was immediately the biggest face. I mean, they teamed him up with Mick Foley because him and Mick could work comedy together. Yeah, like they were (laughs) able to do a lot more. I just think that his most memorable, truly memorable, is him as a as a face. I mean, a lot of his catchphrases came out of the heel thing, but then they became like iconic chants for everybody. But when he feuded with Mick Foley (laughs) for a little while, you know, he's one like what was it twenty. Like twenty seven chair shots, to Mick Foley's head. Oh yeah, no, it's the, it's the most brutal. Yeah, it's an I quit match, and at one point they handcuff Mick Foley right, behind his back, and the Rock is swinging, and it he's stepping into him like a baseball step into with a chair and just cracking him on the skull. It was supposed to be thirteen. He's like, you just hit me thirteen times is what I can take. Mick Foley still doesn't remember parts of it. It's detailed really well. Beyond in, the map. Um, yeah, beyond the it map. It shows uh, Foley's wife and kids are sitting ringside, and halfway through that match, through those chair shots, they have to get up and go backstage because his wife and kids are crying like, what the fuck's going on? Like, this wasn't supposed to happen. And it's really, the whole thing's really surreal to watch because before that match starts, it shows The Rock and Foley standing backstage with their families talking and they're like, oh, you know, we're going to do this spot and this spot. And The Rock at one point gets down on his fucking knees and talk, like gets face-to-face with Foley's kids. And he's like, hey, guys, I want to let y'all know I'm not trying to hurt your dad. I'm, I'm, We're just doing our job. 
I don't have any intention to hurt your dad whatsoever. This is really fucking weird Cut moment. Cut to fucking Cut to. At one point, he hits him three times and got cons- like, consecutive. It's a like boom, boom, boom. And he's not hitting him straight down. He's swinging sideways, yeah. stepping into it, like literally hitting him like he's hitting him with a baseball bat. It is so graphic. It's been a while since I watched Beyond the Man. I need to look at that again. Oh, oh God, it's, it's so, so sad. Good. It's sad. Oh, watch and then after, after the match, when it shows Foley getting stitched up and it, like his two his kids are in front of him, he's like, it's okay. Daddy's fine. Daddy's fine. Don't worry about it. I was just at work. And his kids are just bawling their fucking eyes out. It's because his dad has their dad has a pussy on the top of his head. Yeah, the gash <laughs> is massive. Yeah. It is a vagina that has blown up on him. And apparently, um, I don't. They may show actually no, because I think I'm beyond the mat. They show Stone Cold come over there and tell him like hell of a match, yeah. Mick. Like I was a hell of a hell of a match. Though from what I've heard, where it's where Mick Foley and uh, Rocky started having their split is that Rocky never checked on him after the match, and. That broke everything. Like he literally took all of your punishment, and you didn't go back there to thank him. Like that should have been your first move: is to go back yeah. there and thank him for letting you abuse him to the level that you abused. Well, him. the uh, what was it? the uh, Sunday night heat match or the halftime heat during the Super Bowl yeah. in like ninety nine? Yeah, when, he, when Mick won the or yeah Mick won, won the belt. Mick won the belt off the Rock in an um, empty arena, and he got the pinfall after he like put Rocky on the ground. And under a uh, forklift with a pallet loaded with beer kegs, and he lowers the pallet to hold the rock shoulders down on the fucking ground <laughs> to get the three count. <laughs> that was a weird time in wrestling because, like, I was a huge Mick Foley fan no matter what incarnation he was. Um, I was a huge rock fan just because I thought he was the best dude on the mic. Um, if he, if there was an argument, the only person who maybe who would be debated would be Steve Austin, and I loved oh, yeah. him too. And those three guys were the probably the top the top draws at the time as oh, far yeah. as going. On. And and I loved all three of them. And so like that was to me that was probably the highlight of WWE. Um, oh no, that and, was and, that's and, WWF. Yeah, that's yeah. WWF. Um, no, I mean we could do an entire show on the Attitude Era. I mean I can run. Me and Drew will probably yeah. run this thing into four hours. You know, <laughs> yeah. The Attitude Era yeah, let's not and the greatest time in wrestling. Oh, yeah, I it's think... something that older yeah. wrestling fans, especially men of a certain age in their early 30s, late 20s, early 30s, will always hope to get back to what we used to see. It'll, It'll never get back yeah. to that, but the thought's nice. And it's yeah. like, I like to be trapped in that bubble of when I was, I guess I was like 97 to 2000 when I was really into it as a kid. So I guess between the ages of like 10 and 13, where like every Monday night my dad would be working out of town and it was me and my mom and my brother at our house. And every Monday, same thing. My mom would watch her show, 8 o'clock hits, flip to the USA Network. We called Domino's. We ordered pizza for two hours. It was like, oh my God. He's, oh God, he buried him alive. He's going to die. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and at any given time, you didn't know if someone was going to throw like say fuck you didn't know if you were going to see some titties live yeah. on TV. Like, they yeah. literally had everything of what the hell is going to happen yeah. next. Yeah, like, it was must see TV. Yeah, it was. It was, and, and those, yeah, those two guys were all three of those guys I just mentioned. Those were all heels who you know went face at some yeah. point. Also, yeah. speaking of Rocky being heel, he was part of the 1992 
Miami Hurricanes team that Alabama beat in the national championship. Oh, wow. He, he was also, number 91. Yeah, yeah, he was also in the 89 um, national championship team that beat the fuck out of Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> To the Suck one, it, Rocky. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the better like you stories is the Alabama players were coming up to the players and being like, "You guys are really good," and the Miami players just go like, "We know." <laughs> that was their answer to it. Like, "We know we're good." Yeah, thanks, Bill Curry. All right. Well, in, in in interest of this not turning into a four hour podcast, we're going to move on. Right. Daniel, what's your number three? My number three is Buddy Rogers. Mm. And when I was saying why Flair's four, it's because Flair stole he stole the Nature Boy name, the blonde hair the jet-setting shit, and the figure four leg lock. Everything that Flair is is an exact copy of Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers, though, is actually the wrestler that put Flair over. I'm not saying that it you know, it, it didn't help to continue the legacy, but everything that we loved about heel Flair originates with Buddy Rogers. But, and, you know, Buddy Rogers was, he lost so much because that was part of the game. Part yeah. of the game. It's kind of with Gorge, Gorgeous George. You built it until you're wrestling at Madison Square Garden, or you know you're wrestling at you know the big venue of the territory, um, and then you would eventually lose to the big face, and it was a big deal. Uh, that's also from the old old territory days, um, where if you were a heel, the crowds legitimately tried to whoop your ass after the shit. Oh yeah, like, you had to run they, to they the cars and get you. the hell out of there. And not only that, like, have you ever watched these old <clears throat> wrestling events? A lot of times, there was barely an aisle for these guys to get through. A lot yeah. of times, they just walked through the fucking crowd it's into the. The only the, choice they had. yeah, there was no fucking jumbotron or like the titantron. With no the, intro the, music. Yeah, yeah there was, it was just maybe you had intro music, but it was just like. Here he is, and then you have the announcer, and you make your way to the ring, and like you're lucky if you didn't get a beer bottle caught to the back of the fucking. Yeah, head. no, there's, I mean, there's a lot of them with people like Buddy Rogers and Gorgeous George, and then to a level, um, superstar Billy Graham, and especially the Iron Sheik, where at Old Madison Square Garden when they'd be walking through it, people are throwing fists at them. Like they're fighting back Kraut, and it's all was good. It was all good for business. That's like yeah. If you if you did get in a fight on the way to the ring, you weren't doing your fucking job. Oh, there's a it. He's not on my list, but Pat Patterson. Ooh. Um, when him and uh, Sergeant Slaughter were fighting in the um, they were fighting in Madison Square Garden. They had a street brawl, and at one point. Sergeant Slaughter's in the ropes and Pat Patterson's just slamming him on the chest over and over. Crowd's losing their fucking mind. And according to Pat Patterson, the entire time Sergeant Slaughter's like, we got him, kid. Like, we got him. People are booing it. They're so mad. And he's like, we got him, kid. Like, this is the best. Hit me harder. Like, he's just pounding them every time. Like, everyone's just dying from it. Those guys, the old heels, knew how to piss off. Sort of the same thing with Adrian Street. The ones that were really good knew how to piss off the crowd. The good ones could do it in any territory. Yeah. They could piss them off in the South. They could piss them off in the Midwest. On the West Coast, in Texas, or New York, they could get the yeah. heat. I mean, that's the whole... Uh, the idea of what what these guys did is... I mean, it's pretty genius. I mean, you're, you're basically a traveling circus to some degree. And no, you very much are a traveling and, circus. And you're yeah. basically... Pissing off a crowd so goddamn much and do something so outrageous because you want to come back tomorrow night and watch you get your ass kicked. That's that's the draw. Is like you get them, you do something so awful on Friday night that they're just like, I've got to come back and watch this motherfucker get his dude. <laughs> yeah, next I tomorrow. want, I want him to die. <laughs> yeah, and Buddy Rogers was great at it. And I mean, just to wrap it up on my reasoning that he I, he didn't invent it. I think Gorgeous George 
sort of sets the archetype. Gorgeous George was also, um, he lived and died by his character. He was also a very, very shitty dude. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, he kind of speaks for himself. Buddy Rogers was just great. Vern Gagne is in the same there. There's a lot of those um, territorial 60s and 70s wrestlers that there it was there was no divide. You did not cheer for a heel, and it was down the line. The crowds knew. There wasn't how, how it is now where you get a good phrase or something, the people will pop with you, and you have sections of the crowd that will always cheer for you or they'll always boo this guy. Back then, man, it was cheer this guy, boo this guy, the people bought in, and it's a lot of it's because there was no internet. There was no way to know that this is yeah. fucking fake. Like back then, <laughs> people legitimately thought they yeah. were fighting. Well, also, I saw an ambulance. You know, it, it, the whole thing—you just pay an ambulance to come in and fucking take a guy off, and that's all they would do is just to come in and drive around the fucking parking lot and drop him off at the mall. Well, and, it, and it's like all the people. There was no, there was no internet following around. All they knew was like. Our fucking hero just got taken off in a goddamn ambulance because he did. <laughs> Let's a, kill that motherfucker. Because he did a pile driver. Because he like that was the most crazy move you could ever pull on somebody. Oh, he might have broken his goddamn neck with a pile driver. A move that gets done One, multiple oh no, times. It's banned Man. now. Yeah. you can't do a pile driver. To, to yeah, it's been banned for about ten years now. Um, there's a Undertaker's really, the only one that he can do his tombstone pile driver. He's the only one grandfather. There was a wow. really fucking incredible match last year. It was John Cena and CM Punk. And it was a pay-per-view match on Monday Night Raw. And this whole thing, it went 40, 30, 45 minutes. And at one point, they're just, you know, the, the whole crowd just worked up, like hanging on to every move. And towards the end of the match, fucking uh John Cena comes at uh John Cena comes at uh Punk and he fucking like kicks him in the gut and he like you know leans over and Punk picks him up and just Pile driver right there, and got so he many got words so, as soon as he got to the he back. Got so much shit backstage for it because. So this was like wrestlers wanted that move dropped. Yeah, uh, well, like, no, they I mean, wanted the too. There's too many people who've had their necks break. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, Steve bad, Austin, that notorious. Yeah, Owen Hart botched a pile driver on Steve yeah. Austin and fucked his neck up it's, really bad. Look, you can do Andy a lot Kaufman. of them. Yeah, yeah. Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Well, and that was that's Jerry Lawler's finisher. <laughs> yeah, but Jerry yeah. Lawler, it's either if you didn't know how to do it right. You can end someone's career. You've got a heavy, sweaty dude in your and like yeah. the and only thing his, separating him from his neck from the thing. Yeah, around. you've got to be able to tuck his head way between up on your thighs. A lot of people were grabbing him and trying to do it too quickly, not setting him like I'm going to move him up a little bit. They were just grabbing him and doing it, and you're cracking him on the top of the head, and he's fucked. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened with the power bomb. Is eventually there's certain people who could pull it off, but especially in WCW. Everyone was trying to do it, and they were throwing oh, guys God. down directly um, on the back of their neck and fucking I've them up. I've seen so what many was it? Bad it was power bombs. War Games that... with a Sid and fucking Brian Pillman, <sighs> and the WCW cages were super low. And Sid picks up Brian Pillman for a power bomb. He picks him up for a power bomb and brings him down, and his head like bounces off the top of the cage. And he comes down and just lands head first on the mat. Jesus. Yeah. It's, it's rough. Oh, it's awful. All that being said, Buddy Rogers. <laughs> Buddy Rogers. All right, TJ. Um, I'm having a little trouble mixing this around, but I'm putting uh, I'm putting this guy in the third spot. And he's if there was like a greatest all time wrestlers, I think he's probably my number one. But um I think uh just in the heels list, because he's 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 always kind of switched between heel and face. It's already been mentioned, Ric Flair. Um, yeah, 
he's you know he's a guy who has to make most of these wrestling lists. I think on just all whenever you mention all time wrestling, Ric Flair is going to pop up in the conversation well, it's somewhere. Like, it's like twenty three or twenty one uh, uh, world championships. Yeah, belts. I mean the list is insane. He's like seventeen. Is it um, sixteen or seventeen? It's not. It's well, he not was the sixteen-time champion yeah. in WCW. Yeah. But okay. I don't know how many he got after that. So yeah. Um. It's yeah. So all, all the all the championships speak for themselves. Um. The fact he could wrestle <laughs> with his grandpa tits hanging out. Um. <laughs> and what's sad about Flair is like he had grandpa tits. At a fairly young age, I think. Like it just seemed like whenever I saw him and his old body come out, it was like I still like Flair, but it was like, oh boy, he needs to do some work on his pecs here, man. Um, uh, Flair also has the distinction that we could wrestle with Flair, and Flair would make us look amazing. Oh yeah, he could take anyone oh, off God, the street, yes. make yeah. him look and like a make great him look good. He was just that good at working the craft. Yeah, I mean, and he was notorious for just doing shit like that to. Get dudes over all the time. He'll take a fucking slice. Yeah, he'll yeah, keep he'll a razor blade tucked somewhere. And just, oh my god! Yeah. Remember that? One of the, the yeah, we're that golden Daniel blonde Ar- hair. Once that golden blonde hair turns red, and it's just it's like one of the most iconic images you can. It's like fucking Harley race. Daniel, and I were like last up. night. We were watching an episode of a Monday Night Raw from 2005. It was the episode after they went back to a US the USA Network from TNN, and it was Flair and Triple H. Versus Carlito and Chris Masters, and at the end of the match, like Triple H turns on Flair, and he doesn't move on him, and you like you see Flair like, slice himself. Yeah, he it's, like yeah. hits him with the sledgehammer and right there. Fuck that continued all the way to the back. At the very end of it, Flair's entire hair was red. Yeah, he ten minutes. Kept, it it was, was like, the most disgusting. They were both covered in blood, and he's done that. For his entire career, yeah, yeah. I've no shit. I've seen so many uh, pro wrestling covers of uh, like, or what's that? Is it Pro Wrestling Illustrated? I yeah, think they used to be. Yeah, um, so many like old school photos of Flair just fucking wearing drenched. the crimson mask. Yeah, man, he's and he was always quick to do that shit, and um, that's why he talks with a little bit of brain damage now. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason why when he um, talks, it doesn't all it, the syllables kind of blur together yeah. just a little bit. It's it's that southern draw, which even though he's not really southern, he's, yeah, he's from like Minnesota. Yeah, and always he build from North Carolina. So. Um, well, he he's fr- he lives in Charlotte now. He's like we well, he damn right. He's, he was an NWA guy. Yeah. I mean, oh no, um, he, yeah, he, uh, he, like, he's called. I think he's called Charlotte home since he started wrestling like Jim Crockett, Mid Atlantic. Yeah, those promotions in the eighties. One thing I love about Flair too is like he really did sort of originate the, the, like the tough guy bravado and all the bullshit. But when it came down to it, like everybody knew, everybody in the fucking crowd knew, like. This guy's a fucking coward. He's not. He's afraid to face him, but like he would always talk his shit and have some kind of crazy shit come out and like you know win the match. But when it when he was ultimately faced with the beatdown that's about to come, he's on his knees. He's begging. He's pleading. He's fucking backing away. And then like that that whole look of like no no come on man I was just joking around with all that stuff like that that whole gimmick was uh Flair did that better than anybody else. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. All right, uh, Drew, what's your number? Three, my yeah, my number three. I'm gonna go with a uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, mm-hmm. just because I mean he. I guess I'll you know save it for later, but Buddy Rogers like kind of set this like set the standard for my number one. Is also my favorite wrestler ever. So, PSAs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Oh fuck. 
Man. I could do a whole episode of PSAs. You know, I know the name and stuff, and I, I guess I, I just haven't really seen any of his matches or anything. Yep. And I, I, I guess I should go back and look at look, some of this if stuff. You, Drew will back me up on this. Watching old 50s and 60s it's wrestling. different yeah. monster completely. It's oh, yeah. slow. It's a lot of ground technique. It's it's different. Yeah, it's not you know throwing somebody off the ropes and just... I mean, my God, there was a wrestler in the 40s. The Irish whip was his finisher. That's how he beat guys. He would throw them into the ropes and then hit them, and that was it was revolutionary. And like, like, you can use the ropes. Yeah, like, and who that would point, do that? At the point that point too, like the ropes were just that they the ropes they were to stop you from falling out of the ring. They fucking sagged around the turnbuckles. You yeah, I no mean they were just to using bounce off of. you know like a boxing ring essentially. Yeah. I mean you know you just you used it to keep falling out. <laughs> can we talk about really quick about how stupid the phrase? And I've never gotten this. The squared, squared circle. circle. Yeah. Like, I've never understood, like, what is the origin of the squared circle? Um, Drew's about to drop some knowledge on you. Is that a thing? TNA? I've never yeah. heard that before. Uh, when TNA yeah. first started, they had the, uh, the six-sided ring. Hey, Bobby. Six-sided, yeah, the octagon. No, yeah, yeah, they had the, like, the six-sided ring. That was it. Like, that's a circular, but it's also, like, angular. But so why squared. do they call it the squared circle? Other than that, yeah, I don't stupid. know. It's stupid. There's not even a circle in the middle of the ring. <laughs> I don't I, know. I think it is sort of maybe an oxymoron. I don't know. It's like, and they'll face off in the squared, squared circle. circle. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, <laughs> oh name, my of the God. Uh, that's the name of the Reddit. Uh, the Reddit wrestling yeah. subreddit is called the square, R squared circle. But um, why did no one kind ever of, call their shit? I kind of like, love it. I kind of love the, uh, the term squared circle. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I think it's you know you're well you square off. Uh, fuck, I was gonna say, but it's a square and they say a circle. Like it doesn't make sense. There's is, no is way you can talk well, your way through this one. All right, I, I might talk my way out of it. In in, <laughs> in Greco-Roman wrestling, in, like you wrestle in high school, yep, so don't you wrestle it. into in your circle? It's a circle. Yeah. So you've mixed you've mixed your wrestling, On which happens mat. in a square in a circle with. Uh, you put it in a boxing ring, which is square, so therefore the squared circle. That's my best guess. All right, you kind of talked to you. I'll I'll give you that yeah, one. Okay, great. Okay, all right. Well, so we're done with the four. Yeah, that was that was our number three. Uh, number threes, yeah. I had The Rock. Daniel and Drew both had Buddy Rogers, and TJ had Ric Flair. You got some uh, more internet? Uh, yeah. Um, this one's from um, Sandra Hunt. Um, her list was Piper and Flair, of course, Exotic Adrian Street. Um, drew great heat through his rampant redneck homophobia, and he was like the bizarrest character. And the other one we haven't mentioned is Kevin Sumble- Suther- uh, Sullivan, Sullivan. Uh, which was this was evil, scary, like always evil. Yeah, he was like a Satan worshiper, always <laughs> like this sa- Satan worshiper. And he wrestled in the South, and it was so hard heat. Like he wrestled in the Bible Belt as a Satanist. Um, that's pretty awesome. Damn, there's yeah, some that really is pretty awesome. WCW did some really horrible cartoonish stuff with him though, where he basically bred the giant <laughs> in did. like a weird cell, like a weird like green glowing chamber, and then like when he's like finally he's a ar- like he created him. It's like you're the man who will take down Hogan. You're my job. <laughs> like, what the oh, fuck? It, look this someone up. Someone had the, some of the weirdest. Like, it was like Saturday morning cartoons on fucking the middle of the night. Everybody, look this up at some point. Look up the video. It's I guess you can put in like Giant Debut, um, or um, it's not hot Hulk Hogan. You can look it up that way. But there's a video where Hulk Hogan enters this tomb. Okay, this is 
on wrestling. Oh, he yes, enters I this, this tomb so and good. he's sitting there. He's like, "Where am I? Where? There's no Hulkamaniac here." He goes over to this fountain and touches it, and then pulls his hand back and goes, "It's not hot." For no fucking reason. <laughs> like he just throws that out there like that was like this moment. And that's like the debut. It's like in this tomb and it like crushes and the giant walks out of it. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> and they thought WCW thought we would buy this shit. WCW actually had a lot of great video things. There's a good one where Harley Race and Vader were feuding with the British Bulldog and Sting. And they have this whole like beach blanket bink uh bingo thing going on like it's stupid oh, stupid shit um i got you one got more i got one more at barry grass another alumnus of the show he had rick flair harley race hollywood hogan and cm punk which is an interesting choice yeah i you know i can get behind that i can get behind because CM punk. like especially when he was um really pushing the whole straight edge thing on like the heel sides oh my god the shit his- with ray mysterio where he was actually making sense of like you're a drug addict and a drunk. You're a bad person. Like yeah. everyone is bad for cheering for you. And he had the crowd being like, "Buddies are drug addict and drunk. Like, <laughs> exactly. We love them." Like at, at that, at those points, like when Punk was a heel, he reminded me of every asshole that I ever met at a fucking hardcore show when I was in high school. Yeah. The kids with the X's drawn on the back of their hands that would walk around slapping a cigarette out of some kid's hand. <laughs> it's like that made me hate CM Punk. It's like because you're that fucking dickhead you're that dude that sings in that shitty fucking hardcore band from odinville yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's such a specific fucking thing i guess i've heard him on interviews and like other podcasts and stuff and he's a cool guy but yeah he, well, no he's an extremely smart wrestler yeah. He, oh yeah oh, and that, the only issue is he loves it too much and his documentaries is one of the best yeah he like, knew how to, he knew how to work a crowd either way like babyface and heel he knew yeah. how to Press the right one buttons. of the best Mike men. Um, and David A. Smith's number three is Ted DiBiase. Uh, he played a face in Mid South, but his best run were as a heel, especially the Million Dollar Man. Like Flair, the character was a product of the time, and DiBiase owned the role. He didn't try to play a cool face either. He was an asshole who wanted to be booed. Also, this is the character Vince would have would have given himself had he wrestled in the 1980s. Mm. Can we can we touch on uh, your roommates? Four real quick. We'll get to that. Well, we'll get to him <laughs> later. All right. And actually, before we go His on to our number joke, th- yeah, it is. Before we go <laughs> on to our number two spot, we're going to take a little bathroom break, I believe. Yes, please. 